welcome to Green Planet Blue Planet Podcast, interviewing artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists of the regenerative movement, people with a planetary purpose. My name is Julian Guderlei, and in today's episode, I'm hosting an interview with Chia Jane Young. Chia is the principal at Season Capital, a fintech-focused fund that invests globally and in any vertical, but especially in emerging markets. He is the co-founder of Shaper Impact Capital, a platform and newsletter that helps early-stage startups with an impact get in touch with resources that help them create funds, that help them get off the ground. Chia is also a global shaper, and that's the community in which we got connected through the very active cohort of the Global Shapers. So with these words, welcome to the show, Chia. Hi, Julian. It's really great to be here. Yeah, man, I'm excited for a chat about FinTech, a chat, a chat about, you know, global shapers and social impact and, you know, also a, a global conversation because I'm in San Francisco today, you're in Singapore. Um, what's your favorite thing about Singapore, man? The food, um, which is simultaneously the thing I love and hate the most because I think I gain about like 20 pounds every time I come back. Oh, wow. <laughs> you, you can probably see me in the video right now. I used to love significantly slimmer. And um, then Singapore happened. And then Singapore happened. Yeah, is it just such a foodie city? It is. I think it's one of the, those awesome places where like really good food is still available for cheap. But if you want to splurge and, and, and kind of do anything you want, you, you can go pretty crazy and, and everything's good all the cuisines are there and if you have very little self-control like me um it, it's a nice place to be hilarious awesome well let's, let's talk a little bit about shaper impact capital first I, I like this this initiative um within the global shapers um also the way that that we got connected right is through yeah just like a very active um cohort of global shapers in the world that that know to refer, that know to point out what's what's happening and what's exciting. And so you guys have over, um, I believe, like 50 projects right now that are part of your your list, et cetera. Explain a little bit more, like, what's really happening and how are you guys helping social impact on the rise? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so a little bit of context for Shape of Impact Capital. It is essentially a impact investing newsletter slash platform where we help uh, where we help startups with an impact and put them in touch um, with investors that are looking to deploy capital into some of these types of projects. How it came about was actually through Cheap APAC in Bangkok in 2018, where it was my first year as a shaper. I ran into a number of other shapers who are in venture capital and impact investing and we got to thinking about how we could use our skills and resources to help organizations around us people and founders around us who are, who are frankly making a huge impact in the world but were constrained by certain things uh, capital being being one of them so we launched shaper impact capital in, in february of 2019 so that's about nine ten months ago and we've been super lucky to have a really great team really good reaction from the community and the public we had about 200 and, and about 200 plus investors who signed up on the platform 
we have featured about 20 over uh, companies um, through Shape Impact Capital, and, and it's a huge range, mostly early stage stuff, but a, hu a huge range from uh, lab-grown shrimp meat to coral regeneration to edutech, uh, femtech, etc. Um, and we've been able to support them by connecting them to a wide range of investors and also corporates that were looking to implement some of uh, their technologies into, into what they're, they're doing. Um, on, the, on the team side of things, we've grown pretty significantly. I think uh, as of last week, we now have about 60 shapers and non-shapers from about 20 countries running activities in Latin, India, Southeast Asia, um, Europe, out of London, um, and, the North, and North America. So wow. pretty excited about, about some of this and uh, some of the specific ways we help, uh, some of the specific projects that we have in, in Shape Impact Capital include a VC analyst program to help train uh, people who are really interested in, in investing and impact investing. We have, we're developing mentorship programs to connect advisors and mentors to some of the startups that we're supporting. We're developing resources and ways to help great companies and businesses that are making a huge impact, but are not necessarily uh, venture fundable. Um, so mm -hmm. a range of these activities that we're, we're launching in, in 2020 um, and, and really, really trying to fundamentally create a platform to help startups and founders who are making a huge impact on this, on this world. That's exciting. How do you pick those companies? I can imagine that you'd probably have so many people apply with their startup, with their company. Um, and it sounds like you actually have, uh, you know, I didn't expect that. Like in that, uh, the other way around, you have more investment and funds um, than, than you have companies that are looking for resources. Did I understand that right? Yeah. So I, uh, how, how we've funneled that 20 companies down um, because we're fairly selective. I think yeah. one thing that makes a huge difference is that, um, again, I think really thankful to the Global Shaper community for this, but we've been able to get uh, shapers who are working in funds across the world, you know, in, in Latin, um, Southeast Asia, India, Europe, um, New York. Uh, so shapers who are working for VC funds, impact funds, to take some time out of their really busy schedule to say, hey, look, I'll, I'll, I'll work with a team, look at some of these companies and, and pick the ones that we think are actually uh, ones that are under, underserved, the ones that deserve attention um, and, and help them through this process. Um, so I think as a result of that, and kind of being going through that stringent process where every single company that's approved in the newsletter is, is looked at by a shaper who's a professional uh, investor, uh, I think that really helped drive engagements on both fronts. Really cool. So what are some of the patterns that are emerging now that you guys are 10 months in the, in, you know, underway? Um, what are you learning about um, the projects that are, that, that you're supporting? What are you learning about the, the funds that are on your list? Um, are you able to, to, you know, like match everyone with resources and funds? I have like a whole bunch of questions. I think it's, it's a very interesting niche in the sense that, you know, there are so many great ideas. Um, some of them maybe should stay ideas, but there's so many great ideas that, that, you know, can turn into something meaningful and often they just lack, 
exactly that piece, the connectivity to resources? Yeah. Um, so in terms of what we've been able to do for the companies, we, we've been able to connect uh, quite a lot of them to, to investors. And I think so far we've had a good track record of being able to spot and, and highlight some of um, companies which are, which are really good businesses in general uh, while they're able to make a huge impact. And some of the companies um, that we've looked at after we featured them in the newsletter, uh, they were in, you know, independently picked up by top funds like Klein Perkins, uh, YC, stuff like that. So we've been, I think we've been quite good at, at spotting good businesses and, and helping and talking to other companies that uh, are not quite there yet, but giving them some key pieces of insight from the investor side of things. In terms of uh, trends and patterns within the companies that we spot, I think one thing I've definitely learned is that, frankly, when I, when I, if you had asked me this question two, three years ago, you know, what, what did I think impact investing was, I'd probably have painted a very naive, superficial view that impact investing is something to do with schools or loans in really rural areas, and then you're probably going to lose a lot of money on that. Uh, spotted is that that's not true it's it's such a wide range of really yeah. interesting companies that are really good businesses i think one of my favorite ones for example is fact um which is a fake news startup that we supported mark cuban was one of the angel investors um and they're doing some really really great work good businesses um and you know great team running that um and that's the kind of company that you know, love to support, I think there's a huge impact factor there and is something that, you know, drives great returns, drives great impact and really destroys any stereotype about what impact investing means from, from my perspective. Really cool. I mean, you know, I, I've been to a few impact investment summits even at this point and I feel like it is just becoming a term that is uh, more widely understood. I remember, I think it was two years ago in New York at a, like a big investment um, event. It was like 50-50. You know, half of the room was there for impact investment and the other half of the room was basically like, so explain that to me one more time. What does it mean, impact investment? And I found that quite funny myself as well. I was like, wow, how, how come that, that this idea of a triple bottom line, people, planet, profit, is um, such a conundrum to, to like long standing business um, people, you know, like as, as if profit excludes doing good in the world, it definitely does not. Um, so, so what is some of the feedback you guys get from the, the funds and VCs and um, yeah, simply the, the capital side of things? Yeah, I, I think we have a lot of investors that really excited about this. Sometimes there's an element of education about, you know, the fact that some of the companies that we have are, are really good companies. Um, and I think the fact that we have professional investors that are going through some of these companies really helps to overcome some of maybe that, that bias against impact investing. Um, and just looking at these companies as good companies in themselves. At the moment, I think what we are also looking to build out is really making sure that we have 
a wide range of investor base that we can we, we know are relevant for certain types of companies given the wide range of companies that we see out there um, it's it's not just a kind of edutech or fintech kind of thing it's, it's such a broad spectrum and being able to, to find the right people i think that's always going to be a challenge and when one that uh, we're growing the team to to support really cool well thanks for giving us an insight into that i um i want to switch it up a little bit and ask you about something entirely different and um <laughs> Well, different, but not so different. If you could single-handedly or with a small team of people change the education system, like the education system at large, what would you do? Oh, I've thought about this a lot. Um, I'm going to give you a super vague answer, but one that I'm happy to go into in depth. But I think one of the most underrated features of the education system for developed markets is the fact that we don't have a mechanism to help challenge and make people from certain segments of society to gain the confidence and therefore the ability to dream about a potential future for themselves that is bigger mm. than, than where they are. So what I mean by that is if we look in some development, a lot of developed countries, we, we see you know, the, the same patterns in terms of who succeeds. It, it does tend to be people who come from more privileged backgrounds and one of the core understated reasons for that is because they're just brought up in an environment where all their mentors, all their peers succeed at X level. And X level is, is, is quite a high level of achievement. So they push themselves and they think that achieving XYZ is just natural and normal, right? I think you've heard stories about, you know, of course I should be in the Ivy League school. That's where all my peers went to. Go, not going to an Ivy League is just insane. Um, and you don't have that attitude, right? You don't have that attitude, I think, as commonly in, in people who are potentially less privileged because, you know, that's something that maybe they're told all their lives it's not possible for them. They're not mm. given the resources. And so one of the things that I think in a really actionable way that, that comes from this is I think there's a huge scope for being able to let people see where they could go. And, you know, I think we see a lot of great work in terms of mentorship programs, especially for um, minorities, lower income uh, uh, children, stuff like that, I think is, is, is a really good step in the right direction. And I think I'd love to be able to, to help push that, especially on the ambition front. It's a very curious topic that you that you were sharing there. I feel like, you know, there, there's an array of examples, you know, low, low income or you know, less privileged background is definitely, um, yeah, I mean, there's statistics. People are less likely to create what, what we call external success metrics. But then there's other problems in our society too where I see, I see that is not quite in place, right? Like if you look at the horrendous number of homeless people in the United States or also in Canada, um, well, across the world really, but like, you know, especially in a city like San Francisco, it's, it's shockingly obvious and then at the same time, it's like we don't have mechanisms 
that truly help um, rearranging uh, this in a humane way, right? In a way where we can take that person that possibly requires support and help and reintegrate them in a way that is maybe more honoring them as a human than just the production factor they could be for an economy. What's your thoughts on, on, on things like that? Like what, what's, um, what's crossed your mind in regards to like these deep problems? No, I, absolutely. I, I think that's really key. And I think that's something that, that people are spotting are one of the ways besides kind of hard economic or, or hard financial uh, services to really boost kind of, no, I don't want to say productivity. I think it, it's kind of re help people can step back into the person that they can be. Mm. And they're really great programs. I think, I think um, they're out there that are starting to get the recognition they, they deserve. I think in Singapore, there's one um, called Geelong Adventures and, and they, they do free uh, hair service, uh, kind of free barber services for homeless yeah. people. Um, I think small steps like that, obviously it, it isn't the whole solution, but I think it really goes some way not only for some of these people, but I think for us, right? And, and being able for, for us to recognize that, you know, these are people who are on the street that we should recognize as also equal human beings um, and, and that deserve that dignity, right? So, um, you know, it, it sucks that, they have, that that step is needed, but, you know, I think in a, in a, in a practical world, the fact that we can, we can do some of these small things, I think that really, that's really awesome. Yeah, 100%. I think, I think it, it, it does suck that this is the reality that we're still kind of um, captivated by. You know, it's something that's like purely economically focused, but at the same time, as we're evolving, um, we got we to gotta tackle those, those challenges. So what's your take on, you know, um, staying on that topic, um, on, on capitalism and its possibilities in that sense that, you know, we, we can or don't, but don't need to talk about a whole systems change. But I know that, for example, the World Economic Forum in Davos in 2020 in January has this. Um, in my words, on the agenda is like, do we possibly need to rewrite our charter? And do we possibly need to rewrite our values with which we run capitalism? What's your point of view on that? <laughs> so I will start by saying that I think economic systems are cultural dependent if we see that economics is the study of how people interact then culture plays a huge part in that that being said i think one of the key messages that 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 we're starting to recognize is the fact that there is real real value in some of the soft non-economic factors there mm. are consequences to ignoring that Right. Um, I think that we see that in certain countries where that's ignored, there is huge economic costs. And I think we used to kind of hand wave that as a, uh, oh, this is just some big problem that we're all bad. And that's slowly becoming not true. Some of these economic costs are, are happening more and more frequently or something that that are huge in scale. 
and people are really, really uh, hurting. And I think for good or for bad, as a result of that, we started to recognize that, hey, some of these things really matter a lot. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy about some of the things that the Singapore government, for example, has been doing. Like they're committing like $100 billion to, com to fighting climate change. Um, so stuff like that is, is, is I think, what uh, I think Asian and, and Western governments have really stepped up in a, in a positive way. Um, mm. Just like, for example, New Zealand creating uh, well-being as a more important goal than, I think, GDP, right? And I think Iceland. Obviously, we know Bhutan has a happiness index. <laughs> but it's like there's more countries following suit with this like idea that they have more responsibility than just economic growth. Yeah, and I, I think I think the good thing is that it's it's no that it's really taken at least I feel it's taken a lot more seriously. There's a lot less virtual signaling and, and more of a serious discussion about about these topics. And I think that it's a positive trend. I think obviously we can do a lot more, um, and we need to do it faster. But definitely a, a, a positive trend where I'm sitting. Yeah, that's that's really a, a great um, topic to, to stay on. Just for like one more question here, which is, you know, in a world that increasingly allows those those topics to 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 come up more and more and come into a center stage to like you know create uh, a bit more of an equal playing field. Um, what do you think becomes possible? Like in the sense of like, if we were to zoom out 10 years into the future, 50 years into the future, 100 years into the future, what are some of those values, like specifically that you think are fundamental part of building a global society? So I think that's a great question. I, I think one of the things that I'm really passionate about is that I do believe entrepreneurship is one of the best ways to drive the change that we want to see. I think there's a certain mentality that comes with trying to build something of your own, seeing a broken system and deciding that somehow with you know, a copious amount of delusion that you're the person that has the ability to, to make a dent in that. I think that is really a key part of that. I think along, alongside entrepreneurship, there's a certain amount of dignity that, that comes with being self-empowered, um, obviously the economic uh, benefits are, are clear in itself um, in terms of self-sustainability. And I think one of the things that really excites me about where I'm sitting and, and the space I'm in as, a, as an early stage investor is, is also being able to see that there are countries which perhaps might not be taken very seriously five, 10 years ago, where they're really strong, really passionate people who are building great organizations that are financially self-sustainable, that are uh, impactful in their ecosystem and are, are really just uplifting the entire uh, kind of country and economy. Um, one, one of the things that, for example, one example that I like to use is as an Indonesian company that's a little bit like a clone of, of Uber uh, called Gojek that was started out as a non, uh, well, I think they called it a social enterprise. And it's now $12 billion. So one of mm -hmm. the top unicorns in, in Indonesia, I think they, they do, they contribute like big single digits to the, the Indonesian GDP. 
and it's it's stories like that that really make me feel hey you know this is something that that's clearly clearly a part of the future it's a macro trend that's growing in the parts of the world that needs it and i think it's going to be a key part of of really you know creating that global society that's driving change really cool let me ask something completely different what are your three favorite places in the world <laughs> um that's an interesting question um uh well singapore because i live here i think i'm obligated to say that um austria i really love the the culture the the nature there and uh answer them because i've worked with a lot of dutch people and just really love working with dutch people Amsterdam and then the whole country of Austria. The Austrians are cheer <laughs> cheering right now in the background. <laughs> they do have a really quaint and sweet culture, I agree, you know, having grown up next door. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. How about if I were to, you know, ask you to inquire like a little bit into what you've learned over the last years and you know, advice that you, you could give your younger self, you know, if you were to travel back a few years in time and you're like, man, if only I could give you this one or these three key nuggets of, of wisdom that, that now I've learned, um, what would be some of those learnings that you, you kind of wish you, you could travel back in time and tell your younger person? So three pieces of uh, advice to give my younger self. Uh, that's a tricky one. Um, I think the first is realizing that, especially in this world, and, and maybe just as a function of the world that I live in, experts might not know as much as they think they do. Um, mm. So things change so fast that you, you have to learn things by yourself on the ground with your own eyes. Mm. So I think that's one. I think that's very interesting, man. Innovation often comes from non-experts, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's, that's definitely a key feature of my world. Um, the second, probably about um, kind of understanding a little bit more about how people work together. I think that's always a really important uh, part of life. And I think the third one is... Uh, uh, be more caring to the people around me. I think that's always something that uh, gets a bit missed out in the hustle and bustle of things. Mm. Be more caring. I like that a lot. Cool, Chia. Thank you so much for taking a little bit of time. Was there something else you'd, you'd like to share? Something you, you, A story you'd like to tell? Or something that comes to mind that makes you laugh? <laughs> um... Well, I always encourage people uh, to travel if they have the opportunity and the luxury to do that. Always go to parts of the world that are underrated, um, that not many people are going to. I think it really gives a different perspective on life. I think I, I tend to see things a little bit differently. My first job out of university was in Pakistan. Um, mm -hmm. Got to see... I think something slightly different. And uh, tell us about that. What what happened in Pakistan? That sounds that sounds incredible. <laughs> I was working for uh, a small company called Rocket Internet, um, 
So I was in Pakistan for a little bit and then Sri Lanka for a little bit. Got to work with some of the most passionate people um, in the world. Um, I seriously don't think I've seen people who are more passionate about the work they're doing than, than, than working some of the Pakistani guys there. Um, super hard working. Um, and really being able to see the scale of how things can get even in a country like, like Pakistan. I, I think, you know, obviously it doesn't compare to the, for example, tech scene in San Francisco, but just the amount of activity that was still going on in places like, like Karachi, where I was space for a bit, um, super exciting seeing how people got things done mm. when you're dealing with infrastructure, like that was, you know, not completely reliable electricity will go out when you're trying to run an e-commerce company, but you uh -huh. somehow managed to get that done. Um, lots of hacks, lots of uh, shortcuts, lots of just hustling to get things done in, a, in places like that. I think it teaches, teaches a lot about resilience and, and getting, just at the end of the day, just getting things done. I've never been to Pakistan, so this is curious to me. I think, you know, I totally, 100%, agree with this notion like you know in order to have a world view go see the view of the world first and going to places <laughs> exactly right going to places that are underrated i guess yeah. is the way how yeah. we change those ratings because <laughs> you know the global stereotypes some of them might be true but but most of them are just um a really old story <laughs> and so when we go to places to meet the real people we, we see we see that humans everywhere are awesome yeah, no, absolutely. I think I've, I've, I've gone to my fair share of really weird countries. Um, I was in extremely rural China working for an agri-tech company for a short while um, after the Pakistan thing. Um, and so that was, that was a whole other experience in, in, in seeing how um, actually your vision of how rural farmers in, in China live is completely different from, from what you had in mind. Um, they, were, they were super connected with the, with the world. They had a decent understanding of what was going on. And it was just a really interesting mm. kind of challenge to some of the narratives that we, we, we have around um, developed, non-developed um, communities. Yeah, that's, that's a powerful point, eh? The narratives that exist and their accuracy, like. We talk about fake news and like political campaign influence or manipulation at this point quite a bit in our society at, on a global scale, but really about how many of the stories that are being passed around for decades are just, they're just flat out wrong. They're, they're very oversimplified prejudices, right? And um, often they, they don't come true when we go yeah. to see those people in person. Yeah. Well, I think that's absolutely true. It's, uh, I think it's really, I think it's really interesting. And one thing I'm always trying to challenge myself is that being stuck in one place and receiving news from the same sources. I, I think when you actually go and talk to people, even in this day and age, even though I like to call myself that I'm part of the kind of startup tech community, um, that's nothing that beats just going on the ground and, and talking to people. Old school, like pen and paper. Like pen and paper, man, full circle. I, I totally agree. I, I think this is one of our biggest um, challenges in, in good ways is, is in the next decade. How do we balance our 
increasingly technological world with pen and paper and in-person handshakes and and <laughs> eye, eye contact you know because both has obviously a big value yeah um yeah we shouldn't automate eye contact <laughs> please don't <laughs> so, yeah thank you so much for your time thank you so much for having me julian yeah that's that another episode of green planet blue planet podcast i hope you truly enjoyed this one and received some insights knowledge and a form of learning that you can directly apply to your life into your relationships or maybe even into your business and the way you show up for the world because this is a movement and we're all part of it very much so and we're in this together we're here to create a world of a triple bottom line where you win i win and the entire planet wins we're raising consciousness together, and you know that. That's why you're listening. That's why I love you. So make sure to share the love. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Invite a friend to listen to a Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. And if you have an idea who else you'd like me to interview, make sure you reach out and send me a suggestion. Definitely check out greenplanet-blueplanet.com, the website to the podcast. I've created a lot of different offers for you, free content, free meditations for you to amplify your connection to self, the state of social impact in the world, and for you to connect and listen to who you could support of the people that I actually interview because their missions are ongoing and a lot of them need more collaboration. And after more than 100 episodes now with some of the world's leading social impact experts, I have synthesized my most inspired learnings and takeaways to create coaching and mentorship programs for you and the people around you. Let me share with you about planetary purpose coaching and mentorship experiences. If you're in a space in your life where you're ready to level up to amplify who you are, what's coming through you and what you're doing to give your gift to the world, then I would love to hear from you. And I'd love for you to apply to one of my private mentorships or group mentorships. Because getting all of the juice, all of that life force that's in you out into the world is something you deserve and the entire world around us deserves. Also, I work with people who are entirely new to this, to the topic of planetary purpose or the topic of meditation, the topic of insight, evolution, and revolution. And if that's you and you're ready to step out of the ordinary and into creation, or if you know someone who is totally ready for that, make sure to check out the website or share the website. And you can also always shoot me a message on Instagram. I'll definitely read it and get back to you. Because, like, th guys, this is real life. Let's be in touch and let's create this together. Last but not least, there's a few different group experiences I host, both in person and online. All of them are quantum learning environments, and I'm happy to tell you more. So simply inform yourself and stay connected, because whatever resonates with you, I'm here to support you and bring out more purpose into the world. And with that being said, wherever you are in the world, make sure to be you, show up all the way, be all in. Connect with someone today, make them smile, have yourself a stellar day. Lots of love to you, and until soon.